0: But when we get to that stage, right? When I've, when I've worked with people, like I've had a chance over the last 20 years, and it's not just like a quip, I've been with self-made billionaires. I've been with people who run rung the bell once, twice, and three times who literally never have to think about anything else in their lives. When they get to that stage, my favorite question to ask is, so how does it feel now? Mm. How does it feel? And they'll all say mostly the same thing, which is not any different.
1: Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. Real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed sit back relax and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode now here's your hairless hosts bob Rignaris and brendan boyd hey everybody
2: welcome to the show today bob how are you what's going on mr it Coach. is
3: it's snowing sideways in chicago today
2: oh lord okay yeah we have so. a bright and shiny uh colorado
3: day today we did have snow the last couple days yeah. One, one week ago it was 75 degrees and we knew it would be the last nice day. So you got outside, got some fresh air and, and now we're, you know, we go right from summer yeah. to two weeks of fall and right. then it's winter. Right. So kind of that's a, what we get. That's what we get in the Midwest. Kind of a
2: bipolar thing going on with weather. We get it that here once in a while as well. Um, coaching, yeah. you're in your, you're in your season of coaching.
3: Yeah. Yeah, first week of practice down. Uh, another week of practice, and then we uh, we get into gameplay. Thanksgiving tournament. So, got a great group of guys this year. I got fifteen guys on the squad, and nice. uh, we're we're coming together. And uh, yeah, you know you know that's what I love to do, and uh, we're we're gonna make a go at it this year. So I hope you write a book because you've been doing this since you you said you were sixteen. Yeah, it's my thirty seventh year of coaching. I mean, you, yeah, you got a book in you about this for sure. Wow. Look so, at that coming out. You never come mentioned on, that to uh, me Well, I thought before. after
2: you mentioned it the other day, I'm like, yeah, dude, you need to share the love. I, I mean, uh, me not knowing anything about sports, I'd read that thing. Um, Basketball is the big round ball you bounce on the ground, right? Is that right? Yeah. That's, I don't think my book
3: would be about the technicals. I'm not. Uh, all right. Good. Cause uh, I, I, I'm more, you know, I, I deal with, I deal. Look, it's the same thing I do in our company. Like it's yeah. strategy. Yeah. It's mindset. It's, it's bigger picture stuff. So you would never want to come to me to like, Hey, let's dissect this offense and figure out how to technically make it work better. Hmm. The same thing. Like I, like when I do a Facebook ad, like I am, I get so like not interested in like, how do we optimize this thing to like, it's too scientific for me. And it's the same way. Like I, I, I want to talk about overall philosophy. I want to talk about the creative, the strategy, the direction. Like I want to get to like why we do things and how we do things. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get in the weeds with like optimizing this particular variable. I, I, it just, I, I hate it. Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't like to do that. So you're never going to find me like I'll sit down and we'll, we'll figure out offensive you know, techniques and things like that. But I'm not the innovator on that side. But what I, what I am good at is like reading the reading the vibe of a team, figuring out how to put the pieces together and put them in positions that are going to be really successful. Um, and that, I mean, you know me, that's how I that's how mm-hmm. I run the company. Right. That's how that's how we manage clients. Like it's always big picture, fundamental stuff. So, yeah, I didn't even know you were going to go that direction. But yeah, Well, that it was, hit me. I after you talking
2: like Geez, 37 years. Uh, Yeah. You got to show some love here. There's there's. Yeah.
3: Bob must be 87 years old. No, I I, I started (laughs) when I was 16. (laughs) So, hey, I I, look, Brandon and I started this podcast because we love talking to great human beings and we didn't want just to have a podcast, which is like, oh, let's have a podcast and teach people about tactics and strategies strategies." and 10xing and uh, no really so so one of the things like you, you hear when we have people on that we know we we, we have our friends on once in a while and we, we've got deep relationships with them but today's guest is somebody brandon and i never met and i think the the number one thing that brandon and i love about this podcast other than getting together with friends is being surprised by somebody and getting really deep with somebody really fast it's amazing what we can talk about in just an hour and right. uh Joe McClinsky, uh, out of Baltimore, Maryland, who's now in Virginia, uh, what a story, uh, grew up in poverty in, in, in the, in, in Baltimore, uh, attended 23 funerals by the time he was 23 years old, um, you know, product of a hardworking class family found himself in John Hopkins university somehow. And, and. And the the conversation Brandon was like taking uh it was just like a warm shower, <laughs> mm. it was just really comforting <laughs> on a cold day. Like it was, I just felt really energized and really blessed to be uh, part of this conversation today. I, I don't know how you felt.
2: Absolutely. I mean, again, this is one of these interviews that, that you see the power of story. You see the power of how mm. story and really shapes uh, a business and a mindset and a perspective um, as as he is healing through the things that that he had to deal with in his life. And he's helping businesses heal. He's creating frameworks and structures and containers um, for the next evolution of what going to the workplace looks like for people. And I love that. Um, yeah,
3: we jump right into that. Um, yeah. He is passionate about this. And uh, I, I predict... That uh, we're going to be hearing his name as a leader in this whole hybrid work uh, revolution, um, 100%. for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. So, yeah, we want to we want you to uh, sit back and relax. Um, Joe McClinsky, f- wonderful interview. Um, hope you enjoy uh, our conversation with him.
2: Welcome, Joe.
3: Great to have you on the
2: show today. Thanks for having me, guys. I didn't say your last name because I thought I was going to butcher it. So I was waiting for you.
3: Let's, know. let's try. No, I was just like,
2: oh, do I try it? No, no come Met- on. Right, right, C. Let's Mercy. Met- Met- I said heart C, brother. What? Are... Met. Me- 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 mech. Mech. Mechlinsky. Mechlinsky. Mech- Lins- 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 Joe M. How was that? Can Joe I call M- you? Can this I say it's not, mech- is not alcohol.
3: It's not alcoholic synonymous. We're no. not going to like <laughs> Joe M. No. Right. Mech dog. What do we do with that? Something like so, that? Yeah, we probably should have done that in the pre-show. Was I know. I how to pronounce useful, the name,
2: Brandon? Right. To D- just showing how professional we are properly. That's a good thing to do to build rapport. I well, it's you. good.
3: It's good to have you, Joe. Um, Brandon and Joe are both in a community called Baby Bathwater, and if you, 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 you have likely not forgotten the episode with Michael Lovitch. <laughs>
2: Um <laughs> our beloved but... <laughs> leader of Baby Bathwater.
3: But uh, Baby Bathwater uh, is a great community and Brandon loves being a part of it. And so, you know, we're going to interview uh, a bunch of people from there that uh, are just really cool, cool human beings. And Joe, we thought you were really cool. So we invited yes. you on our show. You'd squeaked in, Joe, on the coolness so, factor. Well done. Why don't,
0: we, why don't we hold off on the conclusions until after the
3: <laughs> That sounds good. All right. So we, we, we'd love to hear, Joe, what, what are you excited about right now? What, what's going on in your life, business or personal, that you're just really jazzed about?
0: Well, I was telling you guys, uh, I'm a Baltimore guy, uh, had been there for 42 years and COVID inspired. We decided to get out of Dodge and we moved down to uh, Northern Virginia, which for us was like moving across the country, um, <laughs> even though it was an hour away. And, uh, and you know, I grew up in kind of a, a tough part of Baltimore. So I'm in like Pleasantville right now. And, you know, my <laughs> kids are, our kids are 12 and 10. And just to give you sort of a context, like, you know my 12 year old is like 30 and she when she first got here she's like dad where are the helicopters looking for the bad people all the time so it was like oh wow that was a really good one so uh so now man we've been digging it you know this is the first time I've lived in a house that's not attached to another one um which is kind of funny and so I got like a little yard in the back and uh the kids are playing basketball and I'm coaching them right now which makes me feel like a good dad and just get a chance to plug in with both of them and uh my lady and I are great. Thanks for asking. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> on the personal side, <laughs> cool. On the personal side, I feel like uh, i really, you know, in all sincerity, man, i I've I worked hard to get to this place. I feel like I'm like a 12 out of 10, and uh, just don't take anything for granted. It's been mm-hmm. uh, it's been quite a ride, and um, and that's on the personal front. On the on the professional front, it has been a fucking rough ride for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. You know, okay. I think everybody's had their own version of the pandemic. Um, you know, 2020, we were like, ready. I'm a bit of a prepper at some level. So I was like, "Fucking yeah. bring this bitch on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I have my did. bags of
2: rice and beans in my pantry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. got a go was, bag. I'm not afraid <laughs> to admit that I got a yeah, go. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Look, I grew up Baltimore. So that's the only way you can be is have, is have <laughs> <beer bags> everywhere. <laughs> go bags were just a part of your life. Yeah you, know, yeah. you checked it every morning, new
0: supplies. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we've got a Sort of twenty plus year run as a management consulting firm, and um two thousand twenty one was not kind we uh we lost about seventy percent of the business and um, damn it. three weeks later, I bought a tech company okay uh and so you know you put these two things together it's been it's been a little bit of a rough learning experience, which was you know basically i'm trying to we've got a solution to fix this fucking hybrid work thing that everybody's trying to figure out right now and we turned the corner this year. We raised a little bit of money, and you know we're kind of off to the races right now. I think uh, I've got a lot more optimism and hope for the future. Um, I'm glad you're interviewing me today and not this time last year. Yeah, um, you know, but just keeping it real, it it, uh, it definitely shook my confidence last year. You know, after doing this for so long and just not being able to find like the pattern of some level of predictability of results. Mm. And so um, we've got clients on the platform, and things are going really well. So yeah, that's how I'm doing. Tell oh, us about well, that. So yeah.
2: your story is amazing, but since you touched on it, you're you're talking about, uh, what was the word you just used? Uh, this, this shift in remote, you're talking about remote, hybrid, work hybrid. versus the hybrid. What does that mean? <clears throat> Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. Listen, I, without getting to the whole thing, uh, I'm here because my dad didn't lose his job. That's really what this comes down to. So, you know, my, my story starts in Baltimore on the East side where they literally shot the wire and, mm. you know, I went to a high school that had a 20% graduation rate. Yeah, um, We had the number one football team in the state, like check every fucking stereotypical box of like <laughs> yeah. what you would think and got to Hopkins through a long story for another day, which was, you know, going from like the worst school in Maryland to one of the best schools in the country. And I was like a fish out of fucking water, guys. I hadn't read a wow. book from the back yet. I hadn't typed a paper. This was like 95. Um. And I play football and remember I handed in my first term paper and like, I'm all excited thinking I did something good. The professor calls me in and she's like, are you pledging a fraternity? And I said, <laughs> no, why? Like totally sincere. Why? And she's like, what is this? And I said, uh, I don't know. It's my paper." She's like, can you, can you elaborate a little bit? And I started telling her, I was like, well, I've never done it before. I've never really read a thing and a, you know, and I was like a good kid, but coming from like an urban environment where, You know, being second in your class in a group of people that, you know, were struggling with the basics isn't exactly Hopkins material. Um, And the second I read it on her face, I was like, holy shit, I'm going to get found out here. Um, And so, you know, look, I my my roommate in college is the editor for the Pittsburgh Gazette. I just found a way um, to make it through the school. Um, which is probably a longer interview for another day. And I, you know, I started a small little contracting business because I needed money and I grew it pretty quickly because, you know, just basic blocking and tackling. Do the right thing, show up on time, be neat. Imagine be early, it, yeah. You know, keep your word. And uh, and when I got out of school, I just, guys, look, I got an internship while well, I was in school. A Wall Street thing, because that's where everybody does. You're either a doctor, and engineer, or you get into Wall well, Street. You well, know, Hopkins, yeah. You're yeah. either a doctor or a financier. Right. And I I just was there and I was like, all right, so let me fucking get this straight. I have to wake up this early, put on clothes I don't (laughs) like, get to an office that is stale and stiff, be around people I can't be myself, basically lie all day, which is what everybody's doing, Mm. eat lunch that sucks, go home at the end of the day and do this for the next two decades. I was like, I don't think, I got a job with a big management consulting firm when I left school, but like I had a guy, thankfully, a mentor, he just stepped in my life. He's like, look, the more you tell me about how you got here, I think it, just friend to friend, like you're never supposed to give advice as a mentor. You're supposed to just like lead the witness a little bit. It's like <laughs> You're not employable. Oh. You're just not employable. Like don't, this is not going to work out so well. And so <laughs> my whole thesis was we spent eight to 10 hours our, of our life at this thing we call work every day. Yeah. And if you thought about it in the context of like, if you, if the three of us went to the gym every day and we ate Doritos and pizza and we watched mm. fucking you know, reruns of like, remember the Titans all day. That's all we did. Like just on repeat. Sounds I mean, it great. Sounds good, Yeah. Right. That a, is, wait, that's bad. <laughs> I know, Shit. but I know I threw in the, remember the Titans bit, which is the part that gets everybody going, but, right, right. but that's what we're doing at work, which is we're doing this fucking dance every day. And it's like, you go home at the end of the day and you're less of yourself. You're, mm. you're not the best dad. You're not the best partner. You're not the best global citizen. You're not voting for the people we should be voting. You're not clear headed because you're spending the majority of your waking time in the the, the 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 least human experience possible. It's just business, right? Mm. It's not like all of this shit does not follow what we know about psychology, what we know about. Like the way that we operate best is not a pressure cooker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's when we're treated fairly. Yeah. And I just basically parlayed a couple of books that I read in college eventually in psychology into this business. That you know, we've been helping companies more or less build high-performing, healthy environments the human way. And you know, as you walk into March 16th of 2020, we've been talking about this forever. Like you know, every organization shaped like a fucking pyramid hierarchy. Right. Right. You've got adults or the thinkers at the top, and you've got the doers, the children. It, you, we, I mean, we tell grown-ass adults where to be, when to be, why to be, how to be. And we're running that play over and over and over again because we don't trust them because we don't think they know what they're doing or whatever the thing mm. is well march 16 2020 everybody's like you can work from anywhere pandemic time like oh. we had a higher priority than money yeah. which was living yeah right crisis sets in and and look this isn't perfect i'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be together as humans i'm not saying that there's not a reason to gather yeah, but holy moly, man, this is amazing. Like we finally figured out that work doesn't have to be a place. We mm-hmm. finally figured out that scheduled time like, I mean, the idea that everybody leaves at 9 and comes home at 5. We can't get better than that. We put people like in space <laughs> and out and the best we can do is Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Right? Yeah. It is linear. It's it's silly and it does not produce great outcomes. It just doesn't. And so, Agreed. you know, I think what we've been playing around with is how do you, you know, we all had this serendipitous time at the office, we'd run into each other, walking out to the car or the lunchroom. And, and really like, we've all been a cool, like baby bathwater events. Like the best part of those events are the serendipitous magical moments that are not about the content,
2: unplugged,
0: unfiltered, unplanned. Well now just to, to keep jumping into it and I'll give you guys a second here. It's all right. February, We're giving this. February this of line. 2020, Microsoft like did a cutoff and said, Hey, everybody uses Microsoft office. So we can we can measure how many meetings have been scheduled since February of 2020. So we don't have serendipity anymore. We're trying to get people back in the office. We're trying to get people on zoom. We have scheduled 250 plus percent more meetings since this fucking thing got started. Wow. And we don't understand why people are burned out. We don't understand why people don't want to show up to the office. <laughs> and so, you know, If you think that you can work from anywhere, I think that we can start thinking about working from any time. And so we've got a platform without getting into it, which basically gets everyone on the same page without scheduling a meeting. And it measures Hmm. the real sentiment of what's going on in your environment so that you're not like, I mean, look, guys, when I get a text from somebody I work with or somebody I know, I don't know whether they're yelling at me or they're like loving on me. Oh, Uh, yeah. You guys, I can read the fucking room with the best of them. Yeah. But I do not read texting and typing the best. And yes. that is essentially what work has become. It's a virtual digital experience.
1: Mm. And we're
0: making this shit up as we go in. And it is not very good at what we're doing yeah. to make up because it's it's just a new skill. Mm. So we got a platform that fixes this in a really, really big way. Um, we've got, you know, of some really good traction. And I think in a lot of ways, I've had a lot of heart in my life. I feel like I finally got lightning in a in a bottle. You know, we raise money. Yeah. People see there's there's this. More than just light at the at the end of the tunnel, I think we can really help fix the way people work. So it, you know, without like sounding too cliche, so it transforms sure. the way they live. Sure, sure, anyway, I love it. Really,
3: yeah, that's really like I love heart, it, Joe. It's, it's a heart based approach. Like we're really honoring who people are versus treating them like cogs in a in a machine, which is what we're all about. I love it.
2: And I think yeah. it's, you know, this evolution <laughs> the last few years, you know, the remote work is it sounds like you're giving it a structure because I think there's a lot of companies. I mean, I mean I don't even know what's going to happen with traditional office buildings that have thousands of cubicles when I think. They're going to turn measure, into Amazon warehouses. Well, yeah, Amazon warehouses or <laughs> are, are co-working spaces, which yeah. is so funny because co-working is you choose to go instead of I have to go. Um, and, and it, it is fun to be in the energy of other people who are working. That's why I, co- I love going to coffee houses, places like that, um, to, to do work because there's a certain energy about it, but the energy of choice so much better than the energy of obligation. Right. Mm. And I love that you're putting a, you're putting a structure around the human instead of trying to take a stick, a human into the structure because human humans aren't broken. Right. But, but structures, right. institutions can easily break humans and cause humans to not be at their creative peak. Would you agree?
0: I would 100% agree. You Mm. know, I'm not a big fan of quoting people, but there's a quote from Churchill. He said, we shape buildings and then they shape us. Mm. Just for a second, this is really what uh, Judea Pearl, uh, uh, he was Danny Pearl's father. He's a really amazing physicist and philosopher. Danny Pearl was the gentleman who got killed by ISIS. Uh, He was the journalist that got killed early during the Gulf War. His father is this, again, Nobel Peace Prize kind of guy. And he has this feeling that most of the universe is a cause, cause. We always think about cause and effect, right? And Mm. cause and effect is almost like oppressor victim mentality. That's the narrative. And his point is, again, back to the, like the Facebook like button, like, so there's the structure, there's the design. And then all of a sudden we became more interested in status and likability and popularity and and like, yeah. that is an idea no different than like the structure of your business. So back to cubicles. Well, you know, that structure, that design shaped us, you know, we shaped it, then it shaped us. It's the same sort of thing. So the question is, if your if your culture is the building, right? Or your culture, you know, is being contained by a building, it's almost like the water is the culture and this bottle is the freaking building. And it's like, well, now there's not a building. What's your culture? It's all spread out everywhere. And it's like, That idea, I think, is what we're struggling with right now as humans is like, if I don't see you, do I know you're working? If I don't see you, can I trust you? Exactly. You know, So we're sort of, I think, testing the limits of a little bit of the wiring here, like what we've been doing for a couple million years, which is like, we don't extend compassion, empathy, and trust so well when I don't know you, see you, feel you.
3: So, I mean, it's- Amen. I mean, you- the the issue is complex though, right? I mean, from from a management standpoint, they do they are accountable to get things done and they want to make sure people are getting things done. It's how do they make that happen in this environment? Like, I mean, I imagine your solution is addressing like how how employees kind of make sure that they are productive and there's a way to kind of make sure that tasks are getting done and and work is getting done. Right? I mean, ultimately that has to be done, correct?
0: Yeah, our our platform basically does three things. It pulses your team. It pushes out a weekly story. And then it pulls in your commitments, not your comments. So think of it like a no-huddle offense. You get to the line. Hey, everybody good? Good. Blue 52. Blue 52. Everybody good? Everybody knows what they're going to do. Ready? Break. That metaphor is what we're doing asynchronously with people. Which is, if I'm oh. a leader of a business that you know got 500 people, we just uh, launched this with a big space company that we're working with. You know, publicly traded, global rocket scientists. Okay, <laughs> literally. But but, <laughs> but, but 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 here's the deal: when you ask them three questions, right? Where are we going? What's most important? And what are you doing to contribute to that? Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. No one can Mm. answer those questions in a way that makes you feel like we're on a team, a high performing team to like get shit done. So what this does is if you think about just iteration of what's everybody thinking, put up a story of where we're going, what's most important, an example of something good. Like imagine if Tom Brady was using my platform and all the NFL quarterbacks were using it. And he was like, look, this is what a 45 year old old guy does in the morning (laughs) to get ready to extend his career. How many of the quarterbacks do you think would listen to that? Everyone. (laughs) Well oh, <laughs> listen, I know people. I'm not I'm not like a massive Tom Brady fan. My point is just in the in the general in the general sort of example of like take a high performer, tell me what they're doing to be high performers so I can learn and I can try it on. Maybe I don't want to do what he's doing, but at least I'd want to know what the hell he's okay. doing. Okay. Mm, that's I fair. That. More of a ground up as opposed mm. to a top-down change. And so what we're finding is like communities big people want to feel like they're authentically connected and yeah. not through Zoom like who's tired of like all of these Zoom meetings you know email is an old school snail mail way of doing this digitally you know and they and really at the end of the day like what's your digital emotional intelligence like you know emojis are now emotion not responding to someone is like you guys asked me a question we're doing a podcast here what if i was just like this <laughs> terrifying ghost you're ghosting us right right and, yeah. and and look ultimately as much as i you know i love to talk about this type of business i mean if you zoom out this is really about giving people their agency back wow this is really about sovereignty this is about you know my belief and my lived experience is that you know we as a species are working through this right now which is these old narratives about business being all about money. Right. And I've, you know, I've been working with businesses to get them involved in the community. It's not because it's just a feel good thing. It's because it makes us better. You know, I I, I've seen, you know, I mean, we know this, like talent is ubiquitous, but opportunity is not. And if you can even the playing field, both in an organization, but in an area, things get better. Mm. They just do. And I'm sort of a living proof of like, if you were just statistically asking, what is a kid from East Baltimore, Is he going to end up in Northern Virginia, in Pleasantville, given? No. Right. And how did it happen? Not handouts, handups. People, right time, right place, right mentor, who saw a little something, who let me leapfrog the statistical average of what was going to happen.
2: Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show today. I know I am. Um, It's so refreshing to talk to people like Joe, who uh, has just clearly kind of bucked the status quo and the common narrative around what work and workspace is supposed to look like and pushing the evolution um, that has certainly been pushed the last few years of how does it work to be a part of a team when everyone is in different parts of the world or the country. And Joe is the founder and CEO of Shift. Uh, It's a tech-enabled management consulting firm that has been nationally recognized as one of the nine best workplaces in the U.S. Um, I love today's interview with Joe because you see um, just how his past experience has shaped him creating this beautiful way to work. So let's we, we want to encourage you to go there to learn more about what he's doing and find out why he's been voted one of the best uh, companies, one of the best workplaces to have. So if you are a medium-sized company with a remote and or in-person workforce, we want to encourage you to go and check out shiftthework.com that's where you're going to find all the information around Joe's concept and, and plenty of stories about how this new way to do business this new container is uh, is making such a great impact so without further ado let's get back to the show
1: you're listening to the innovative founder now back to your hosts Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd well, that, that, that's where I, I,
3: I wanted to go next, Joe. Like, wh- where did that come from? This is a very yeah. advanced way of thinking, right? Yeah. It usually comes later in life where you're like, wait a minute, the system is completely screwed up. I mean, Brandon and I, you know, for the last 10, 12 years, have quote unquote woken up and are looking around, going, wait, the system is fucked. Yeah. Like we're we're seeing it everywhere. Like, where did that come from, Joe? Was it like, I mean, you were in the inner city, like you're you're kind of in a prison there, right? You're you're yes. you're you essentially when you're in that in that environment, you're almost a victim and, and prisoner to that system. How how did you get out of there? And how did you form this way of
0: thinking? So we'll have to do the longer version later, but the shorter version goes something like this, which is. I, look, I had two biologically amazing parents and one stepmom. And so my mom was an aspiring actress. She had this big picture view of what she wanted to be different about her life. Um, she found out she was pregnant with me when she got to the West Coast. She met my dad hitchhiking. There were 20. Wow. twenty. I love it. My dad his family has got a very interesting story you know his two aunts married deep into organized family life uh on the Italian side of the world in Baltimore so like oh organized family life I get it yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) trying to keep it clean for him and then when he found out that he was having me uh he didn't have a dad his mom married five times twice to the same guy so like you know as you guys were talking about my last name is not even supposed to be McClinsky And uh, he decided to be the best dad he could possibly be. He's the the most honorable, hardworking, humble man I've ever met. And he walked into a warehouse and this guy starts sweeping fucking floors 46 years ago. Today, he's the partner and executive of a 4,000 person company, the only one with a non, no college degree. And he just, he shows up, he shows up, he's consistent. So I have consistent hardworking, crazy pants on one side like there's always a way we used to play catch it or eat it like he just he he made me (laughs) (laughs) eat it I got (laughs) I got mom who I'm in five schools in five years single mom in it hardcore nothing in the fridge we'd get food delivered to us from groups and she'd make us give it away and I'm like I couldn't I was like seven or eight years old going what are we doing and when we did it like one time it hit me, like the Grinch with the heart, the two sizes too small. And we gave it away. I was like, oh my God, this feels great. Wow. You know, David Brooks wrote a book called The Second Mountain, which is essentially a great homage to what you're talking about, you know, guys is, look, I think as men, the narrative of providing, and in my case, to your point, Bob, surviving yeah, is really, really rooted hard into the wiring. But when we get to that stage, right? When I've when I've worked with people, like I've had a chance over the last 20 years, and it's not just like a quip. I've been with self-made billionaires. I've been with people who run the bell once, twice, and three times who literally never have to think about anything else in their lives. When they get to that stage, my favorite question to ask is, So how does it feel now? Mm. How does it feel? And they'll all say mostly the same thing, which is not any different. Wow. And I'm like, what? How does it not feel any different? You were liberated. You were free. And they're like, I don't know how not to do the thing I've been doing to get to this place. One, two, all my relationships now are based in what I have to give. Like I am the currency now. I, I am. Mm. I don't know who's authentic and who's not. I, I, I don't know if I've given enough, if I've, if I've served enough, if I've, you know, the, 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 the idea of like the Mexican death philosophy, which is like you, you go through three. You know, the first time is when you realize you're going to die. That's the first death. Mm-hmm. Your second death is when you actually die. And your third is when people stop uttering your name. Mm. And I think the second mountain, as David Brooks talks about, is the first one is the fame and the fortune. The second is the fulfillment, the heart, the, the what we all know. Right? There's a great book called uh, The Five Regrets of Dying by Bronnie War. Um, She was a palliative care nurse in Australia. She interviewed 1400 people. And at their end of their life, they all said the same thing. Like, I wish I hadn't worked so much. I wish I had worked, lived the life of my doing. I wish I had fun. I wish I would loved known people more. And I think to your question, six minutes ago, you know, I had a crazy mom reading lines with her in the living room, like t- completely embarrassed. I was a shy little kid. I played sports, you know, I had to get good grades, but then I ran the streets. I mean, hard, ran the streets, 13, 14, 15, had seen a lot. And the things I saw a lot, guys, were death. I saw a lot of people die a lot. Tell you know? us
2: so, about that. I saw that in, in in the document, the resource 23, by the time you were 23. What kind of impact does that have on somebody?
0: <clears throat> well, you pack go bags, brother. You, uh, wow. you know, there's a lot of trauma. You know, I've watched people shot. I've watched people die. I've um, I've been in life-threatening situations. And, uh, you know, look, I've never been to war. I I, I would not suggest that what I've gone through is anything close to that, but I will suggest that I didn't understand what trauma was until about, you know, really about five years ago. And I didn't understand that I've been in like go mode this whole time, which is like running from, um, not feeling the pain that I went through. Mm. And like, when you watch people die or you, or you are around for those, like, you know, my mom was the last that died when I was 23, she had diabetes really bad. And so, you know, my whole life, I was like, you know, once a year, six, seven, eight years old, I'm at the hospital. I'm her only person. So I'm like fucking talking to the doctors. like, I, I have no idea what, wow. I'm doing. you know, I, you know, she would go once a year, just, you know, we couldn't figure the fucking diet thing. You know, it's just hard. You know, we, we would, uh, we'd eat squash for dinner. Right. She was, she understood health, but you know, we just didn't have a lot of money and, you know, money th- makes it hard to navigate this type of thing. She had, yeah. uh, when I was in high school going to Hopkins she got really sick she had kidney failure um, she was blind she was in a wheelchair she had two pancreas transplants two kidney transplants my entire time at Hopkins she never left the hospital um, and back to like what does it teach you I just I think that I've had a natural experience with death a little mm. that like I I don't know I mean I'm not like I'm not like the rest of us. I'm, I don't want to die. I'm certainly like yeah. not in a hurry. Um, but I, I think I've come to appreciate the inevitableness of it, the impermanence hmm. of all of this. And I think it gives me this like, make the fucking most out of today. And yeah. it's like, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring because I had the map of like all of this shit. I get calls from my, like, if my dad calls me during the day, like, the first thing he's like, everybody's okay. Because we, <laughs> we uh, talk once yeah. a week on a Friday, yeah. but we know Understood. that like, if he calls me, I mean, I've had family members that have been like killed in weird ways, I have people that have died way too early. And I just, I feel like whatever I signed up for this time was a little hard and wanted me to experience like, you know, the Batman backstory a bit of like, you know, what does this side look like? And I think from uh my wife is like totally out of the other side of the tracks, grew up in a very different way. Is, Beautiful, uh, inside and out, the most patient and stubborn person I've ever met in my life. Because she's like, me, you know, she just says, I think sometimes the people who've gone through the most, suffered, right? The big wounds, like they have a tendency to take on a lot of responsibility. And I think, you know, I've, I try to meet that gift that I've been given, which is I'm here.
3: Yeah. And
0: I know a lot of people who didn't get here that went through that, that had, they were the same that I was. They just didn't have the right, combination of weird life factors and you know my life could have turned out really crazy in a lot of different ways and so i just think that um without dude like
3: 98 98%, 98 percent of the people that grew up in a similar situation as you are living as victims if not more right i mean it's just I, i mean i love the testament here like it's like look you something inside you and, and and then some circumstances and people in your life kind of helped you get out of that. I, I think it's it's inspiring, um, but it's encouraging, you know, for people that are like, look, like you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. Like you literally did not. To me, I mean, it, you, you just don't seem like a victim of your circumstances. That That's just the thing that jumps in my brain right now.
0: Yeah. My my dad used to say two really cool things. And and Brandon, you said something earlier. It was like, one, he used to say to me, you know, he works so hard. I'm like, dad, it must be hard to have to work. And he's like, I don't have to work. I get to work. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I've been teaching this fucking thing for a long time to people. Like when you get in front of people, you're like, you don't have to do a performance review for your employees. You get to. It's just this reverence for that choice, Brandon, that you talked about. That I think is incredibly Mm. important. It's not a workforce; it's a work choice. Like I think there's a Mm. bunch of different angles that you can get there. But you know, but Bob, on your end, you know, the other thing you used to say is like, life isn't happening to you; it's happening for you. And Mm. you know, and look, I have my victim moments for sure. Yeah, we all do. The last year, rough ride. I was like, man, look, I'm. Can I just have a little bit of easy thing for a second? Yeah, Yeah, Breathe. We just got here, like. And, you know, I've been really open with the kids of just like, I want them to see me struggle, right? I want them to mm. see them like, it's not, it's not easy. I had a conversation with my daughter, you know, last night, literally. And I just said, look, I want you to remember, you know, we, life is not gonna be fair, right? It's uh, if you've ever seen that bit that Chris Rock talks about, he's like, when my kids leave the house, I go, nobody fucking cares about you. Nobody's gonna give a <laughs> shit about you. And that's what I tell the kids, you know, we let him curse in the house. Cause we don't, I think that's like a dumb thing to get all worked up over. But I'm like, look, my job is to protect you in this house. That's it. Yeah. That's my job. My job is also to make you strong enough to deal with the rest of the world. And, yeah. you know, she's heard bits and pieces of my story and she's like, you know, what's going to be my heart. And I said, sweetheart, I don't know, you know, um, here's, but here's what I do know is that you don't have to be tough all the time. You don't have to do it alone. And there's always a way, right. When, everything is on the path, po- when everything is on the table, anything is possible. Hmm. And that's sort of the, we have a little mantra in the, in the McClinsky house. We say, you know, we, we find a way, um, and it may not be your favorite way. It may not be the easy way. It may not be the way that like gets you exactly what you want. But, you know, I think Bob, if I had to like, think about it, I think my, my parents literally just didn't give me another way to think about it. Just like mm. you're, yeah. you're one foot in front of the other. You pull yeah. up your pants like everybody else does and you work really hard. And, you know, my dad, you know, honor guys mm. is something that I struggle with a lot with personal relationships and business relationships where it's like, you know, I haven't really publicly said this, you know, I started this company with a really good friend and I love him to death, but like, you know, we broke up in 2008 and nine and, you know, I don't know. We just, we had a hard time, you know? I was like, let's just not mm-hmm. create harm. And, you know, harm was created a couple of times and a couple other relationships I've had in business where it's like, wait a minute, we were fucking like tight. What are we doing? Like, mm. like we, there should be a higher level honor even among thieves for fuck's sake. Like when <laughs> I was running the streets, yeah. Yeah. we knew yeah. what There's a code. to do. Right, there was a yeah. little bit of a code of like, we gotta get back to that. and I'm And I'm specifically talking mostly to men. Because I think sometimes we're well, like, you know, we're like, oh, it's just, again, it's just business. It's not personal. It's like, well, fuck you. It yeah. is personal. It's my yeah, life. It's your life. Yeah. 100%. Think, like if you say you're going to do something, you either do it or really apologize that you're not and let's adjust the expectations. Yeah. But let's stop with this whole like, well, it wasn't in the contract and it wasn't in the agreement. Like I, I've been like, saying this for 20 some years. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what's in the agreement. It's what you said. It's what I said. And it's what we're going to yeah. do. Yeah. And it doesn't, I'm not trying to be righteous but i but, I also think, based on all of the things we've talked about, at the end of all of this, it's like when my head hit hits the the pillow at the end of the night, like I'm still sweating finances. I'm still sweating sure. all the stresses. But the one thing I don't stress is like I try hard, maybe too hard, to just show up like my dad did, like my mom did, like my stepmom did. And I think that's you know that's that is a testament to them. Like I had the best examples just to watch and witness. and mm. you, know, and that I think is a big part of it. So, yeah. well, uh, I have a
2: question for you, but I want to comment something you said. I think I have such deep respect for this idea, for the for the truth that you know that business is personal. It's so personal, you know. <laughs> this I, I don't know anyone that's able to leave it at the door at five o'clock anymore. And and you think about the narratives that specifically men have had around business. You know, we what we get all charged up about. You know movies like wall street and in this 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 default value belief that it's not personal it's business which has justified so many horrible injustices in relationships gone awry um bob and i have been privy to some and and been hearsay in some and it, we, you know what i love about bob and I, bob and i in our marriage is that we don't we just want to sleep better at night. We're very, very different people. We operate very differently, but at the end of the day, we really want to do good for the people you know, that we serve and we want to like them. We want them to like us. We want to be able to hang out even if they're not clients anymore and say, I'm in town, let's have a beer. Yeah. That has sold so much value. You know, how is your business doing and can we serve you? Or is there any way we can help you, you know, paid or not is, is just, I think it's always has been our approach. Um, and, and I think it's way it's been used way too much, this idea that well, hey, it's just business. You know, like really? It's just it's, that's that's the approach you're gonna yeah. take to this. So you're gonna slight me, you're gonna not follow through, you're not even gonna hire, you know, value the relationship as the highest. Um, I, I think it's absolutely um, this is this is the time, and, and people realize it's bullshit. People, people yeah. have seen it, they're tired of it, they're sick of it. Um, the thing I
3: want to ask you is I just so, had to say, Brandon, you and yeah. Michael Scott from The Office are in sync. Because I know Michael, Michael Scott said it, you know, business, it's the most personal thing in the world. It is, so, <laughs> it is. like you and Michael are right on, on, right. on track. I'm That's be, awesome. Glad to be drafting Michael
2: Scott, channeling Michael Scott. Um, Mike, I have a question. So clearly there was a series of events that brought you to, to your mindset and your approach to um, shift and changing the way we work. Can I ask you, was there any particular event Uh, Any, any one thing, a conversation, um, you definitely sounds like you're a person that you, you know, you've had plenty of moments where you've had plenty of these, these serendipitous conversations that that shifted the way you approached business and life. Is there one or two that are very significant for you that said, wow, this is very validating, I need to go in this direction that, or maybe you were going down a road and, and you heard one and it caused you to maybe take a right turn and brought you to where you are today. Anything like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, the the first one that comes to mind is, you know, so I'm, I'm at Hopkins and I'm playing football and my mom is sick and I'm, you know, I've just decided by my junior year to stop going to school for the most part. I mean, I would show up, but like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm just trying to really take notes and, um, you know, thank God for back tests and for... Or, you know, the internet had just come out. And so you could find a lot of shit on there before it got a little too crazy in the late nineties. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm in a, i am i am in aii had started a franchisee. I was a franchisee of a, like this little corporate painting thing. And, the CEO had embezzled apparently a couple million bucks and left us all high and dry. So I graduated Hopkins. I've got a lot of people working oh, for me. How nice of I'm, I've got a, nice of i have got aii got a job in Anderson consulting, like waiting for me. Cause I'm like, no way. I got to get the fuck out of this thing. Right. And, um, but like,
3: I really we're in a meat market. I, my first job out of college was working with a bunch of Anderson consultants and I got to spend uh, two weeks at their campus, um, uh, getting indoctrinated in, Charles.
0: Yeah. in yeah. St. Yeah. Charles. Yeah. 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 yeah so awesome but for 10 seconds the sidebar on this so my last play at hopkins football wise was a head-to-head hit with my sixth concussion and i was on a oh, stretcher they took me to shock trauma Oof. and so i've got like another concussion i got a big neck brace i show up to the interview and oh. i lied that i had a three three when i had a two seven so again another like fucking i can't do any of this right because they won't interview <laughs> otherwise. this woman sits down and she's like looking at my resume she's like, how do you you, how many businesses have you, have you, how many people have you hired? Like, what, what, explain this fucking thing to me? I was like, I can you say it again? I can't really hear. And she's like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> so, so they give like five offers, right? I get one of them because of all this chicanery, right? And so I'm finishing up my painting year. And by the way, I crushed it my second year. I made like, you know, 30 grand for the summer. I'm like walking into my last year thinking I'm going to make like maybe 50 or 60K, you know, three months of painting. Like, it's not, not bad loot. And, yeah. And so, anyway, long story short, this guy—you know—a series of events happen where um, there's no money; it's all gone. <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck? What's going on here?" <laughs> and one of my crew finds out about this, and they decide, in one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in Baltimore, to literally destroy a mansion. Now, I wasn't even given the opportunity to tell these guys; like, I would have—we were paying. I was going to figure it out. I took out loans. I maxed my credit cards out. Like, everybody got paid. But these guys decided to take this thing in their own hands. Now I'm back to running with the, 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 the crew back in Baltimore. Um, so I've got like Hopkins life. I got my business. I got the Anderson thing waiting. And I'm back with my knuckleheads from Baltimore doing all the wrong things. <laughs> so I show up to this guy's house and I'm looking like I just got out of the club because I did. Um, and, you know, I've had like an hour of sleep. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. He's like, so what are we going to do here? And I was like, uh, I, I'm going to have a crew come. He's like, I don't want a crew. He's like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, what? you look you look like you've been up all night. Um, I was like, oh, I'm, in, I'm fine. Everything's great. That everything's on one I'm a little jittery, of course. Um, I'll let your <laughs> audience decide which substance I was on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he makes me show up and do it. Now, just so we're clear, I can't put a fucking hammer or a nail in a wall. I don't know how. To, I'm the least handy person you've ever met with a general contractor's license. I, I just, I knew how to sell it, market it, hire people and manage it. My wife fixes everything in the house. We have to task rabbit everything. I I know nothing. Okay, I can't do anything. I'm I'm a fucking idiot. So I'm like out, like glazing his fucking windows. Like the next day, I've got a Hopkins degree. I got a job at Anderson waiting for me, and I'm glazing fucking windows, thinking my life is not going in the right direction right now. And so, like day three, he sees that I have no idea what I'm doing, and he's like, "You want to go for lunch?" Now I'm like, "Sure." (laughs) <laughs> and I was telling you guys this earlier, 20 minutes ago, like he starts just peeling back the onion. Now, this guy used to be the president of Chase Manhattan, Maryland. Oh, okay. He was retired writing books. He wrote this book, um, the Taylor brothers who started Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They have a book um, that they make all their employees read so that people have a history of the origin and the values. Um, and he wrote it. And so he was writing a couple other projects and I began telling him because he's asking about like how this all happened. And I'm like giving him, by the way, the very brief highlights. There's no need to deep dive with this because I'm like still in the dangle, man. I'm still trying to finish this freaking house. (laughs) And he's like, what do you, what what was, how did this happen? He just kept (laughs) asking. He's like, He's like, I think I'm to write a book about you. And I was like, oh, (laughs) stop it, right? And he was the one that told me I was unemployable. He was the one that was like, I don't think you should take this job at Anderson. And so Brandon, to your question, like he basically gave me the confidence that, you know, I started a new painting version to try to pay everybody back. And, you know, we made a little bit of headway there and started a couple other things. And then he was one of the people that passed literally about eight or nine months later. Mm. Um, I got to know Mm. his family really well. Then my cousin passed 30 days later and then my mom passed it was like 90 days of like and then 90 on
3: top of grief on top of grief
0: and then 90 days later i started this company Hmm. and you know he helped me in a lot of ways i mean he he talked about the struggle of being a provider he talked about the struggle of wanting to spend more time with the family but the pressure of making money and i was like okay and 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 this is the part that i I do give myself a lot of credit for, which is like I've had this uncanny knack. Um, I'm friends with the founder of ted. um he's eighty seven. He's written ninety one books. He's the smartest fucking person I've ever met. Mm. And it's a long story how I got to him. but like i I have this weird I've got really interesting people and friends that, yeah, I ask questions. I listen. <laughs> And then I just fucking do what they tell me to do, or I do my version of what they told me to do. And I and I think in some ways, it's helped me understand what the future could be. It's that macro pattern recognition of like, all right, here's a guy who did the corporate America thing. He got to the top of the mountain, yeah, yeah. And then he still wants the second mountain. And I'm like, well, fuck, maybe I should just do the second mountain first, which is been yeah. my life. Mm,
1: so, love it. You know, when I love start that. the business.
0: The second mountain first was I started a foundation. The second mountain first is I've given over seven figures, you know, and not because I want that to be like a thing. I just, you know, money where my mouth is. We, I'm, I'm involved in a VC firm that has got 20 million under uh, management. We put 70% of it towards female and diverse founders. Like this is the stuff that, you know, I, you know, am proud to be a part of without having to be the face of, Mm. And and I think again, like those are just moments where I think we all get a chance to like remember. Don't forget where you come from. Remember that sometimes all it is is a conversation that someone needs. You know, and I'm a product of those conversations. So, hmm. I, <laughs> his name was Stan Burns. Uh, Stan so Burns. Internet no. hears it, and, um, okay. and his family's been so gracious uh, well, to include me in things, and I just. Uh, Send lots of love to him in the, in the netherworld.
3: Hey, Innovative Founders, uh, enjoying our conversation with Joe. You know, we we got into talking about the idea of story and how important story is, and it's really what we value with Feed Stories. People might be confused sometimes to say, what does my story matter to my marketplace? Well, we believe in personalizing a business. We believe business, as we talked about on the podcast today, is the most personal thing in the world we believe what michael scott believes business is the most personal thing in the world and when you tell your story you elevate trust to a different level and that is what we're all about and we talk about that in our new guide it's called the ultimate guide to video it's available at ultimatevideoguide.com we'd love to have you download it it's 30 pages of training uh resource material that teaches you what to say on video how to get it done and what to do with it when you're done, and by you telling your story and implementing video in your business, you are going to amplify it. You're going to raise trust. You're going to increase conversions. You're going to increase sales, and you're going to have a much better business. UltimateVideoGuide.com. Now back to the show.
1: You're listening to the Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. If, as an
2: outsider looking at and, and observing and, and, huh, I mean, the pattern for you has been it, not to at all lighteners on morbid, but the pattern has been the finiteness of the important humans in your life. Um, this is, this is not, you know, you know, for, for, I would imagine for most people, there's, you know, there's one or two or maybe three, but it's like the universe lined it up for you. Like, mm. oh no, Joe, you can handle this. And there's something very, very important that you can share with the world is, is this, this this deadline approaching. Um, the constraint of human life and health uh, around birthing important ideas into the world that can, you know, what's important. And it seems like even as someone who was struggling growing up, and 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 seeing the value of money to buy food to simply survive it didn't turn you into a greedy selfish icky you know greedy. narcissistic let yeah, me get all i can get it so could have yet because and i've heard that story and i'm not trying to like toss a bunch of shame on people who have chosen to go that that route in, in that sense but it's you have just a tremendous um balance it, it, with with humanity, um, yes, you're someone who wants to be successful and is and creating great things and want to change the world and of course who doesn't want to make money? But it's you have this really wonderful um, humanity approach about it. And, and I just if if I had to assume I had to guess, it had to do with the fact that you realize these people were these important people are running your life for a very short amount of time. And I and I I do hope that you've got people who are in your life for longer periods of time clearly. But I, if I, if I were you, I'm thinking, man, this, this really shows me the importance is if I have an idea, if I have something to contribute, I need to do it today. And I need to put this mountain before that mountain.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you, you're, you're definitely picking up what I'm trying to put down and <laughs> things I, some of these things I'm aware of. And, and I think I've become more aware of them as I get older. Like I, my first 10 years in business, I never talked about my story. Cause I didn't think it was like, I was like big deal.
1: Mm. Um,
0: and my partner at the time was like, no, it, you don't understand. This is not, this is not normal. None of this is normal. You, you know, and, and again, like I was also consulting CEOs and people who were coming from a totally different place of life. And they're, you know, I'm an advisor. I'm, and again, I'm not trying to be any of this. I just, I walk in and I try to help them fix the mission impossible, high stake, big moment where I think in some ways, you know, I'm not a finance expert, but I definitely feel that we all have a felt and lived experience. And I think we all have blind spots, me included. And I think that there is a, you know, I just think at, at the end of all of it, I I feel very clear that we're all going to have that moment of like, well, how did I do it? Like, how did I do it? How did I live it? How did, mm. did, I, did I do enough? Well, that I, and not out of like, did I do enough is, a little dicey. I, I don't like to your point about like gotta hurry up and do it today. I think I'm starting to learn that there's like a power in the pause, yes, and a little bit of space. And I'm trying to figure out, like, just as a quick example, I just said I'm trying to figure out like part of my little, you know, I've been doing you know psychedelic therapy for about five years now.
2: Oh, bro, you and, and me. Oh, we got to talk I'm, about that. That's another and when
0: show. Yeah, and, and what yeah. I'm learning about all of that is that like I've been trying to, as opposed to just Mm. Uh, and okay, my trying is fucking it all up and the reason mm. I'm trying is because my past pattern like what you guys are recognizing is I had to wake up and try really hard to get here
1: mm. yeah you
0: know and I and it's almost like you know even in my business right now like I, I have to try right and you know my lady is like she's like no I think you just need to be like still and I'm like that's like asking me to go to a gunfight with a not even a knife. Like I don't even know you what know. it's like not to try. And I'm very you don't hard. trust it.
2: You're used to chasing. I can completely relate with this. You're used to chasing. So right. when right. you're not chasing it, you don't trust it. It doesn't okay. feel right. Completely right. get that.
3: Or there's the reason there's a reason we're called human beings versus mm-hmm. human doings. Right. 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 And we miss we miss the second part of that. It's all about who you are and what you are being. And and you're right, Joe. Like, I I think what Brandon's saying is to not keep deferring. But like, yeah, we we absolutely believe and and use silence and quietness because that's when your inner self can actually get through your thick head. Mm -hmm. Um, And but the, the whole concept like this is this is what we're learning. And and and, I, and we'd love to have other people get on this train, which is like it's not in the trying, it's not in the doing, it's in the
0: being, right. mm-hmm. and, and then good things come from that. So I'm working on it. Yeah, as we all are. <laughs> and 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 look, you know, I I in the last couple of years, in particular, you know, I I learned how to really be more honest with myself, mm-hmm. with my lady. I learned how that. You know, I've got this little saying. You know, in truth and love, and it's like I would repress, suppress, not share a lot of these details in most conversations because who the fuck wants to a hey, hear another person's soft story? But on the other side, it's like it wasn't that I was worried about being rejected. It was more of like, guy, it's a lot. We're gonna do in the headlines tonight. Like, there's there's stories upon stories upon stories. About, yeah. Holy, what the fuck? Yeah. And like, yeah. time to hear the whole fucking thing. A and B. I don't want that to be my narrative. You know, I'm not that person anymore. You know, as yes. much as like you guys are shouting me with praise, like I did a lot of harm. I did a lot of bad things. I yeah. was a kid. I, sure. I walked the dark and I know what the dark is like. I've seen bad things in the dark. And I think in a lot of ways, I think it was part of the journey so that I understood again, the capacity for suffering, the capacity for bad. And that, you know, we watch all these redemptive violence narratives. Daniel Schmachtenberger is a, like, I love listening to him talk and. He's this guy who, you know, basically will tell you that we're we're just living the same thing over and over again, which is like, well, we got to have nukes because Russia does, right? We got to hurry up and get before they get us and this othering, And, and but it's in every fucking narrative. Every narrative yep. is yep. redemptive finance. You get yes. it to me, so I got to do it to you to make right. it right again. And it's right, like, right. you know, back to the being part is like, well, maybe not. Maybe Maybe there's like this moment and look, it's not going to be easy, you know, because there is evil in the world. But at the same time, most of us I think are doing the very best we can to just make it through the fucking day. We're doing the best we can, you know, yes. what we got. And yeah. that's a lot of the psychedelic work that I think, you know, I'm gonna probably be a little bit more vocal about, you know, because I wanted to do my own work. I know everybody would go through their first fucking experience and then like, I'm saved, I'm perfect, I'm great, I'm whatever. And I'm like, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and I've I've been very humbled and uh and honestly it I would say it almost saved my life. So
2: well. That's I would love to continue that conversation at another time, but I can completely resonate with psychedelics saving your life. Uh, I've been through my own journey and so not only saved my life, the life of my son and Um, healing.
3: Yeah. The healing healing. trauma. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge believer. Well, Brandon, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a call here that we don't really need a rant because Joe ended on, I think a real solemn moment. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I just want to honor you, Joe. I, I, what Brandon and I value are people's stories. And clients often wonder, like, why do you want me on camera? Like, why don't you talk to my manager or or like one of my employees? Like, why is my story important? And we feel that in the age of like this, this diso- it's like disassociation. What, what we really believe is your story matters and people mm-hmm. want to do business with people that have a rich story. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, we are genetically coded to like that whole redemptive arc. Like why do we love star Wars? Why do we love Harry Potter? Like it's, we, we are just invested in somebody's story arc and Brandon and I value that. And we're like, look, this is what's going to, it, it, we can't really tie it necessarily to like how much money you're going to make, but we do know that you're going to be a much more authentic business. If you can tell your story, right? And you could share that and be an authentic person. It it elevates trust to another level, especially if you're in a subject matter, you know, high trust environment. Um, so, you know, people know people smart people know that like there's a story arc and then the stuff in the past is in the past but there's a lot of shit you gotta like get through but people appreciate the fact that you waited through the shit to get to you know the the, the pretty stuff on the other side so uh I just want to honor you for telling your story thank being you very honest with it um I think it was enlightening I think people are going to be inspired by it um and I think it's going to encourage them to take an honest look at at, at what they're doing I I would love what you talked about at the top about this hybrid solution, um, please tell us a little bit about how people can get more information about that. Where can they connect with you so that uh, um, you know we could we could get more people uh, on board with this solution?
0: Awesome. So um, the name of our company is Shift, S H I F T. The name of my last book was Shift the Work. So the website for the company is shiftthework.com. And then the third thing you'd want to know is the name of the platform is Latch. So when you go to the homepage, you'll see all about Latch. This, uh, again, this idea of how do you connect people in distributed or remote environments authentically? And Bob, you know, to your point, it's through storytelling. Yes. Authentic, not corporate propaganda, but where we can hear and feel each other in a way that we just, you know, we all have a little bit of an antenna for BS. And I think we're we're starting to see like the, the Instagram life is not the real life. And so now we're like, through that moment i think to your point it's about just showing up you know and just being heard and and being willing to be courageous to to share the ugly yeah
3: and i and i think with this solution you i think right now you feel and are probably literally a little bit ahead of the wave right but that wave is building 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 like companies if they are going to survive need a solution that's going to work a hell of a lot better than what they've been used to doing for the last 200 years Right. Um, in terms of the way the structure works, so stay with it, brother. Like you, you. you are mm-hmm. in the right. You are in the right lane. You're in the right market. You have the right solution, and uh, people are going to realize like we need a new way to do things, and you'll be right there for them. Absolutely, see it.
0: 100. Awesome guys. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Innovative Founder with Bob Rignarus and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.